1: Use the promo code BIGBLUE for a refreshing beverage ahead of Halloween season.
2: Blue Iron. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined as always my co-host, Nick Pilato. And today we got a special guest, a reoccurring guest, a friend of the show, Ken McCuse. If you might remember him from this offseason when he joined us to break down on what we can expect from Wink Martindale as defensive coordinator at the Giants, was one of our most popular podcasts of the offseason. Why? Because it does exactly what we love on the show, the reason we've been able to build a following. It talks X and o, he talks X and O's. He knows the game. He knows the film. He's an excellent addition to the show anytime we can get him. So Ken, thank you so much for joining us today to talk about this big matchup between the Ravens and the Giants. But before we do that, I want you to talk tell people where they can find your X's and O's content, where they can find your breakdowns and anything else, uh, you know, any other way where
3: people can follow you. Easy, easy enough. I'm at Film Study Ravens on Twitter. I see I'm missing the at sign up here in my uh, in my plaque, but that's okay. At Film Study Ravens, and it's filmstudybaltimore.com. Uh, a lot of uh, information on the defense and offensive line scoring both.
1: So, Ken, let's start with the
3: elephant in the room.
1: Former Baltimore Ravens defensive coordinator, Don Wink Martindale, is now with the New York Giants. And New York Giant fans are pretty damn happy with how that has transpired through five games, the 4-1 and one New York Giants. So I wanted to ask you about Mike McDonald and how the transition for the Baltimore Ravens has been with the new defensive coordinator who was under Wink Martindale when he was there and then left to go to Michigan and now is back with the Ravens.
3: Yeah, so it's I I think there's been some struggles in the in the transition. The Ravens in their three home games have blown leads of 21, 17 and 10 points. So right there, that tells you. That's not so great. They did come back to win the last game, of course, as, as you know, but uh, they lost the 21 and 17 point leads, which is two of very few uh, that, they, that they've ever lost of of, uh, of that kind of level. Uh, what's let the Ravens down this year is the dime defense, and it's a combination of things the the, the dime defense in terms of of being on the field for the entire fourth quarter, for example, against Miami and being on the field uh, effectively for a lot of time against Buffalo, including some, some key downs in those two losses, um, unable to hold the lead. And uh, it's a, it's a combination of the secondary and the pass rush, but the pass rush is where the big differences I think exist between him and wink wink a very aggressive uh, understands the concept that you really have to gamble at a high level. Uh, in order to get the kind of variation defenses need to get off the field. Let me explain what I mean by that, because sometimes it doesn't doesn't compute for people. But um, offenses might average, what, five and a half, six yards a play might be normal. So if you could just get your average gain on every play, you'd march right down the field every time and score, and there wouldn't be any question. So defenses live off variation. Offenses are trying to reduce variation, having a lower variance offense. So in order to do that, defenses have to gamble. And they have, to, they have to play coverages that sometimes will give something up, but then you know occasionally will cause a turnover and whatnot. Uh, they have to play for sacks. They have to play for penalties a lot of the time to, to get drives stalled. And Wink was expert at that. He was really good at, at in-game adjustments. I loved him for that. Um, Mike McDonald is, is uh, in a process of trying to put things together. The things we heard in the offseason were very good in terms of he was trying to make everyone understand why they were doing things, for instance, that weren't at his position group. So uh, the the secondary had to understand why a pass rush is coming. And when you've got Marcus Peters, who's a gamble, who gambles off the type of pass rush that's occurring, I think that's very valuable. Uh, So we we loved what we heard uh, from that. It just has not translated so far to success on the field.
2: Love the uh, well, I shouldn't say I love to hear that just because for your sake, it's probably not great, but it is interesting way to break down, especially I thought it was interesting that you talked about the offensive variance and what the offense is ultimately trying to do. One more specific question that kind of dives a little bit into the, the what's going on right now with the Ravens defense first, what maybe they might see from the Giants offense we saw last week. Giants finally got the intermediate area of the passing game working this season, and, and they really relied on some of the staples of what Brian Dable did with Buffalo, which are kind of those intermediate crossers. How have the Ravens defended the intermediate area of the field on crossers, and what do you, how do you expect they will adjust to the Giants this week?
3: Uh, it's it's a big problem, and and uh, this is an area where the Ravens have some weakness because the inside linebacker coverage has been the weakest point of their entire thing. So they have a little bit of problem at slot corner too. Uh, they I think they finally found their guy. The outside corners are excellent. The safeties are excellent. That's not that's not the issue. It's really at inside linebacker where the Ravens have rarely been able to make plays that impact the area between level two and three, and that's of course the area you're talking about on these intermediate you know, mesh concepts and whatnot that you're seeing in um, in, in the crossers in, in, in that point. Um, Patrick Queen has been in the right place for interceptions each of the last three weeks, and he finally got his first career interception this last week off Joe Burrow. If it's a sign of things to come, it's fantastic because he's been a big disappointment since he was drafted two years ago, and, uh, uh, you know, he's uh, – what he did was just so unPatrick Queen like dropped right to a spot. It's like he knew where the ball was coming. Uh, one of the interesting things was he played, of course, with Joe Burrow at LSU, and I wonder, you know, where all the practice time he had against Joe Burrow at LSU, did that even factor into any kind of tell or something <laughs> he picked up on play action? But, uh, but that'll be something. And and uh, the, you know, the Ravens, uh, otherwise, I think are are uh, uh, have a huge problem at with the pass rush. Uh, they have uh, outside linebackers. Uh, are completely banged up. They do have Jason Pierre-Paul now, who had a really good game last week, and they have uh, um uh, Owe, who's playing out of position. He should be a rush linebacker, playing opposite a naked tackle, really bringing his athleticism to bear there. But he's being asked to play Sam, which includes coverage responsibilities, includes chipping of that tight end if he's in line, particularly against the Giants with in-line tight ends. I I think we'd see more of that. Uh, So that that really has a Adafio is a fish out of water. Now the good news is, which won't affect this game, the Tyus Bowser started practicing yesterday, and also David Ajabo, the second-round pick out of Michigan, who was a a, a real a steal relative to where they got him. If you're if you were really getting a top 15 player at 45, but um, you know you lose a year. He, that, that has a lot of reduced value. So uh, we don't know if he'll be back in three weeks, but uh, but that'd be very exciting if he can get some time in for the Ravens, at least at some point this year.
1: I remember going through the film of Wink Martindale last year. Tyus Bowser was one of the unsung heroes. Oh, yeah. of, of, and just his role as a, as a pass rusher, but his role as the Sam just dropping into those middle hooks and those curl flat type of areas. And I watched the Patriots game, Ken, and I was so shocked to see Mac Jones carve up The middle of the field and then jalen waddle on that one patrick queen play that he ended up taking for i think like 59 yards i really think that could be an issue for the ravens do you guys run a lot of match type of principles in this defense with mcdonald so is it more just zone match man match rather than just you know spot drop country zone type of concepts
3: it's 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 a mix i mean there's usually they show a cover two shell to start with um they often rotate into into a cover three out of that so they're coming down taking out a route with a with a robber or, or taking out a route with one of their safeties uh they had marcus Williams and and his absences it could well be felt he's a terrific center fielder and the Ravens haven't had anybody like that in several years, but uh, uh, he's hurt now. don't know how long it's going to be, but he went to IR. So it's a, it's a bad injury. Um, and uh, it, that'll be Geno stone that, that plays the back end. I think that might cause the Ravens to go with a little more split safety looks. he got a little bit less range. I, I do like his instincts. I think he's a good player, but uh, uh, he, he has a little bit less range. Clearly than Marcus Williams,
1: even with the, the primary aspect of the Giants offense being Saquon Barkley, do you still envision them to play some more too
3: high type of concepts and then remove a player from the box? Uh, I mean, too, too high just means you start there. So, okay. so, that you, so you can, you can rotate come down, down and run fit if you need to. Um, and, and if, if it's, you know, a 12 personnel play, there's no need to, you know, there, there's no need to do that on every play. Uh, Chuck Clark, excellent run fit safety, uh, you know, m- much like Tony Jefferson in terms of uh, what he brought to the team. Uh, he's a guy who can come down in the box and do that, but uh, but I think that that the other thing we'll see is we'll see a lot of two different packages, a lot of base against twelve, where normally you might see big nickel, so you, 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 they won't really be trying to match up Hamilton, who is their their kind of their big nickel guy, on a tight end, unless unless they see the Giants regularly flexing that player. Uh, I think the other thing we'll see is we'll see jumbo nickel, which means they'll keep a, a five man defensive backfield and and uh, uh, against some eleven, this would be. Uh, with the standard corner, but take off an extra inside linebacker out of the field and put in an extra defensive lineman. So that's a it's another way they can play it. But uh, you know the, the game plan defensively has to revolve around how to stop Saquon.
2: And 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 exactly. as it, yeah, as it most likely will be because that's how every team has played the Giants so far, at least this season, um, for better or worse. Um, go ahead, Nick. I didn't mean to cut you off.
1: Yeah, Ken. So I want to. You, you touched a little bit on the on the linebackers, and I want to also incorporate the edges into this because the way the Giants are moving the football right now is essentially just play-action bootlegs, get Daniel Jones on the run. He doesn't like what he sees downfield, use his legs to outrun pursuing defenders, and then pick up what is there. It's been really effective so far through two games since they basically just imploded against Dallas on Monday Night Football. They're traditional pass sets. I think they have like 12 traditional pass sets in the last two games. It's getting a little mm. bit ridiculous at this point, but it's effective. So how disciplined are the linebackers in terms of playing the play action and then getting to their landmarks to remove the intermediate routes? And also, how are those edge rushers in terms of their backside pursuit? Do they pinch a lot or do you think they will respect Daniel Jones and his athletic ability?
3: Because of who Daniel Jones is, I, my, my basic philosophy is that the boot is less effective, the more mobile your quarterback is. So because the, the edge defender always respects what they have to do in terms of chasing that guy down. That's probably 75% of boot defense. Is, is making sure that your edge defender comes right after that quarterback immediately mm-hmm. without getting you know, biting on something. Now, the Giants may do something where they get a little extra chip block or a heavier block from the tight end on that side, late release into the level zero route of the three. Uh, that could give the Ravens some trouble, but Adafi Owe uh, will probably be on that side, and he is uh, you know one of the fastest outside linebackers, and he's probably the fastest outside linebacker in the game. Uh, for, you know under a 4 4 uh, at Penn State so he's a guy you know if recognition is good I don't think he'll have a problem chasing down Daniel Jones uh, so we'll see uh, how it goes I um, it's it's a uh, the problems at the other level of coverage are, aren't there they aren't where I'd really be concerned uh, uh, Patrick Queen uh, covering a running back covering Barkley uh, much bigger concern
2: I want to ask you a little bit about the differences so far, just from an overall philosophical standpoint between Mike McDonald and Wink Barndale, we know now having Wink here that he's, I mean, the Giants have blitzed more than any team in the NFL right now, mm-hmm. which is crazy. They run a lot of cover one. They've been running a little bit more quarters and, and cover three, things like that. But just from a philosophical standpoint, is, is this going to be a game plan where, you know, they're going to challenge the Giants with a lot of, with a blitz heavy type of uh, you know, game plan, or are we going to, have you seen something different from Mike McDonald that you think could actually factor into this game from that standpoint?
3: They've been pretty conservative with the pass rush with okay. McDonald. It's they have, you know, blitz heavy. The Ravens are probably still in the 30% range for, for blitzes for the year. And I honestly don't know, but they didn't have a bunch this last week, only four times, I believe they rushed uh, five or more. So, you know, they've, they've been more conservative about it. And they've basically been looking to young quarterbacks are trying to get them to make unforced errors. Uh, and it's what they did against Mac Jones. And he eventually made a few unforced errors, That right. one him the ball game. And, uh, and they did it against Tua and he didn't. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, uh, uh, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but they they've uh, uh, they've been trying to get a four man pass rush and Pierre Paul and away when tasked with exactly that have been effective at doing that. And class Campbell gives you something in the middle too, in terms of a, of a pocket push and ability to get in there. And uh they've they have tools to to do it with a four-man rush i just wish they had a little more variety they can bring almost every blitz that they've used has come from inside linebacker they really don't think too highly of what those guys give them in coverage uh they haven't blitzed the slot very much at all which is a that's an old wink thing he blitzes defensive backs all the time yeah so
1: We've seen so much of just seven, eight guys on the line of scrimmage, dropping yep. the end man off the line of scrimmage, bringing the apex defender. It's it's pretty sweet. It is. And it, sometimes it gets picked apart, but he'll go yeah. back to it. And against Carolina in week two, Baker Mayfield diagnosed it through hot twice to his yeah. tight end. And then late in the fourth quarter, he went right back to the well. He dropped a, a Julian love who was in the a gap all the way back to a freaking deep center field position, right at the snap. And you're just like, Holy crap. And then Baker Mayfield ends up getting hit and you're like, it worked. And there we go. he get out of the play situation. But Ken, it, we love seeing that by the way, from wink Martindale, Ken, I wanted to ask you about one player on defense because I, I am scared of the length of Calais Campbell, the length of JPP, the just overall sheer athletic ability of Adafe Owe. But there's another long player in the secondary, and I'm wondering how he's been utilized so far. And that's Kyle Hamilton, the rookie out of Notre Dame. We've covered him a lot on this podcast. What are your impressions of Kyle Hamilton, and is he being maximized by this system and staff so far?
3: Uh, number 14 overall pick for the Ravens. They felt they like got tremendous value at that spot. Uh, you know, they picked opposite need. It was a non-need in theory for the for the Ravens this year. Now I don't ever really believe there's a non-need when you have a great player. So, it's, but it's a great value pick anyway. So, or it was supposed to be. And uh, so far this year, he's made a bunch of mistakes, and and they've been really serious kind of mistakes. Uh, in in the uh, Miami game, he gave up a sixty-yard touchdown to uh, hit Tariq Hill on the left side when he came up to the line of scrimmage on the okay on the offensive right side, so we can get everybody's left and right the, the same. And he, he came up next to uh, Marcus Williams, who was also there, the, the the free safety. Marcus Williams saw this immediately bailed out far, you know, to the to the offensive left side and deep diagonally. And it just I've never seen anything like it, but he didn't get he didn't get anywhere close to Hill, of course, for for a 60-yard touchdown. And then I saw that PFF had had uh scored this as a touchdown on Marcus Williams because he happened yeah, to be the closest, but they've they've <laughs> since uh they've since corrected that. But it was it's actually pretty uh uh pretty terrible play. Uh he's he's had other plays where he's been a little bit out of position. He clearly has, you know. I think good instincts as to where the ball is going and, and and how he needs to leave early to get there. So he plays a lot faster than his 40 time. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, you know, there's some, there's uh, just some understanding of where he needs to be within the defense that I would not have expected to be a problem for him and has been so far. In fact, last week, here's the big thing. Um, they've been using him as a dime defender. The Ravens almost always will play dime against 11 personnel on third down. Probably play dime against twelve, but they played definitely played dime against eleven. They had a third and four, a third and eight, a third and twelve for the first three first a third downs for the Bengals. Hamilton wasn't on the field for any of them, and they didn't play yeah. dime. They stayed in the nickel. And if you know who the player he'd be replacing, which would be one of the inside linebackers, that is a big slap in the face. Wow,
1: yeah, probably Josh Bynes and Patrick Queen are those two linebackers. too yeah. How has Josh Bynes been? Is is he any kind of upgrade over Patrick Queen, or just more of a? veteran type of guy because he was in wink martindale system if i'm not mistaken too right
3: yeah veteran guy uh tremendous understanding of the game and really good um play instincts that generally make him faster than his 40 times just you can see he's lost a step now i did have an interception already this year which was kind of cool to see him uh, happen I've, i've often joked that um He's, he's been brought in twice to fix the Ravens' defense in 19 and 21, and I often joke that that he's going to be the Kaiser, the equivalent of Kaiser Soze to an underperforming <laughs> young linebacker. That the defensive coordinator goes, "There's a phone right there. I can pick up. I can pick up that right now and call Josh Bynes, and he can be here." <laughs> so, anyway, yeah, we, uh, awesome.
1: One more uh, defensive question, other than the fact that the the Ravens kind of stole AJ Klein from the New York Giants and activated him to the roster. I'm not sure if he's played, but I do want to talk about another former New York Giant. Nice transition there. And that is Jason Pierre-Paul. Mm-hmm. How what are, what are your impressions of Pierre-Paul? Because I think he's been two games now that he's played for you guys, and it doesn't seem like, or at least it doesn't appear like, he's lost a step.
3: Was he's really good in the second game. The first game, I, honestly, I thought he kind of disappeared a little bit as a pass rusher. The, the, the second game, he had consecutive PDs on plays, which was really impressive. And then the third down play, of course, they converted. But it said consecutive uh, PDs on first and second down. Uh, he also had his first sack. Uh, he's been in there. Uh, did good containment. Backside containment was very good on the run and on uh, a sack by Vines. So... Uh, generally speaking, I think he's everything the Ravens could have possibly hoped for a what thirty three year old uh, outside linebacker at this point. Uh, so he, you know, hopefully he can get him through and still play some more snaps when the uh, Bowser and Ajabo are able to play later in the year. And uh, I, I think this team, Wink Martindale, really spoiled us because he he was totally. Um, willing to put four or even five outside linebackers on the field on the same play on a passing down and set, line them up all over inside, outside. I don't know if he's doing that with the giants right now either. Cause you guys have some talented defensive linemen, but he would, he would do that with the Ravens and, you know, whether you want to call it NASCAR package, I usually call it race car with four outside linebackers on the field. Uh, he would do that all the time. And three would be the most common version of the dime. So you'd always have one on the inside and uh and now the the Ravens don't even have three healthy guys who can stand up more or less they've got a they yeah. got a practice squad guy uh, Brandon Copeland who uh, has come back to uh uh join the team and uh, and he's getting a lot of snaps and and really Owe and Pierre Paul are way overused so that's one of the one of the real issues game to game is can they be rested enough to to have anything left late in the game
1: yeah, the Giants are in a position where they have Jihad Ward, who is a 290-pound edge. So they'll come out with like Dexter Lawrence out there, and then they'll have Jihad Ward as that second defensive lineman. Mm-hmm. So I guess that technically constitutes sometimes as having, you know, three or four outside linebackers, but he's so much of a tweener that you can count him as a defensive lineman. But last week, Wink Martindale played seven defensive backs within the twelve yard line, I think it was like mm-hmm. just like on the goal yeah, line.
2: Multiple third and longs, too. He just put seven defensive backs yeah. out
1: there. Yeah, wild.
2: that's and it it's was effective. a quarter.
3: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. What'd you say, Ken? It's, it's quarter, quarter as opposed yeah. to quarters. It's quarter. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, and he was and yeah. They
2: were effective on those plays. I want to flip it over to the other side of the ball real quick. Uh, Ronnie Staley at one point was one of the premier left tackles in the NFL. It's been like a weird injury situation with him. I think it's now spanned like two years. Last week, it seemed like he was in for some snaps. They were rotating him in. I want to get your thoughts on how he performed last week, but also if the if you've heard anything about if he's planning if they're planning for him to be like a full time player this week because I would prefer Stanley to not be on the field, but yeah,
3: <laughs> I, I if if I had to guess, I'd say mm-hmm. he will he'll his pitch count will increase, but he won't be still a full time player. But we'll see because they haven't okay. gotten anything else from anybody else who's played the position. Right. Um, he, he had twenty two snaps last week. Nineteen blocks. I'm going from memory here. I don't have to go from memory; it's right here. 19, Nineteen blocks, two missed, and one pressure allowed. So by my system, seventeen points and a B grade overall in that game. Made three level two blocks, which is one of the things you really notice from Stanley is an increase in athleticism at the mm. position and an ability to. Uh, he's one of the few left tackles who can make a contribution on the backside of a run play, uh, and and you know a lot of a lot of tackles in particular have to go to a cut block when they're on the backside and. and I don't even want my tackles doing that. I, I, I'd i like them to, you know, I think it's too important a position to risk injury at yeah. on that, but he's good at getting out at a level two, level three, finding a cornerback or a safety to block and still making a contribution on those plays. And uh, he did a lot of that uh, made two out of two on his polls, the Ravens uh, counter uh, a fair amount. So, uh, you know, either two man pull from guard center or guard tackle and uh, guard center, guard tackle. No, that's not right. <laughs> center, tackle, or guard tackle. Uh, and and you'll see that it's one of the ways they really use to to misdirect uh, opposing defenses because they're looking to probe for uh, the middle, really, to see if they get players to move out of position, and give Lamar Jackson big run opportunities.
1: Especially when the Giants come out in like a tight front. I'm sure they're going to try to block yeah. down that tight front, kick out the end men on the line of scrimmage and bring either the guard, or the center, whoever's leading to to come and locate the uh play side linebacker. It's something I'm a little little worried about, especially when you guys run zone read off of it with, with Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. Just uh, containing Lamar Jackson. We'll get into Lamar Jackson in a little bit, but I wanted to ask you, why don't you just line that 300-pound fullback mm-hmm. up at tackle and have him replace Ronnie Stanley when he's not healthy? Jeez, man, that guy is an absolute beast and such an mm-hmm. asset yeah. in your guys'
3: rushing attack. He's, he's, a, he's a lot of fun to watch. I, yeah. He's He's been up and down, honestly, this year as a pass blocker. And so yeah. they've used him to help on both tackles because Morgan Moses is is uh has been pretty good as a pass blocker but at times he hasn't been that good and and he he does seem to need help and whoever they've had at left tackle but it be that mccary or um, both those guys have needed a lot of help and uh and uh a lot of times uh why we'd like to have him as a fullback in a more traditional use check type and kittle seven heavies kind of offensive line. that's what the ravens ran in 2019 with tremendous success with boyle and him uh being the two big ones uh, they really don't have that anymore. They don't really. They don't really believe in Boyle anymore. He's, he's uh, coming back from injury. He's still on the team. He's active, but he's not getting snaps. Um, and uh, and uh, you know Boyle's sorry, not Boyle, but uh, Ricard is having to take an, a role as an inline tight end.
1: I wanted to ask you as we're transitioning here into offense, since you've watched so much Wink Martindale, what do you anticipate? The Giants' defensive coordinator, Wink Martin. How do you think he's going to call this defense against Lamar
3: Jackson and the Ravens' offense? Um, I think I think there'll there'll be attempts to pressure Lamar, and Lamar has a really good under pressure quarterback rating this year. But if you watched him play against Cincinnati, he wasn't any good at all this last week, and and so Cincinnati did a, a few things differently, and one of them was uh, they know the Ravens obviously very well. Their edges, their edge defenders are good, and uh, they released linebackers late. So uh, they'll they'll set somebody up as kind of a spy, and then rather than come immediately as a red dog, they'll they they won't also come as a green dog. So they're not waiting for an eligible receiver and a responsibility not to occur there. They're 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 uh, uh, coming after like half a second, and that seemed to really give the Ravens some difficulties. And Lamar um, with the left tackle problems this year, prior to Stanley, he's developed more of a habit of leaving the pocket and even leaving the pocket early, as opposed to doing what he does very well, which is move around within the pocket. Um, when you have Ronnie Stanley in there and he's very, um, uh, confident that he'll mirror well and keep the guy off him, even if he gives up pressure that invades his space directly on the spot. So he still is good about moving around the pocket under those circumstances. I'm, you know, last week, the sack, was really a case of him leaving the pocket too early it wasn't on any alignment it was it was a uh, left the pocket too early
1: I was just going to ask about because you you brought up Lamar Jackson and and how he missed on some throws and the pressure you think the pressure was a reason why he ended up oh yeah he, he missed like three big throws two of them in that in that first drive in the second half against the Cincinnati Bengals and I know one of them he had a guy like right in his face from what I remember but I'm sure you're a little bit more familiar with the film than I am
3: yeah. So the first one was to DuVernay. It was a it was a, you know, deep post uh, 50 yard throw roughly. And, and he just overthrew him by a fair amount. And DuVernay had the separation required. And you hate to see that because uh, he's been really good catching the football this year. So uh, that was a shame. The second one uh, rolled out right. And and Tylen Wallace had the defender beaten by five yards, maybe more and uh, overthrew him by 10. Probably in terms of, uh, of of how far the ball went. Maybe it was only five. I'm, I'm, I could be exaggerating the image in my mind, but uh, yeah. but it was the kind of thing he was obviously very upset with it. There was pressure on that play. And, uh, you know, it's a shame. Uh, he's not getting a ton of ample time and space throws as I count them, which would be a three second pocket or uh, one that would have been had he not released the ball early. And he only had seven out of 33 this last week. So seven out of 33, seven out of 31, one of those two. Uh, so it, that's not a lot. Uh, you know, when you get into the low 20% range, that's not good. When you get into, up into the thirties, that is good. Um, uh, Lamar really will carve up a defense, given ample time and space. And uh, he's still, you know, waiting over three seconds to, to throw the ball, which is a a, a combination obviously of his uh, fearlessness and in, in terms of being willing to try and make a play. And also the, you know, some time given by the offensive line, but a lot of it is him moving around to try and extend that play and, uh, and, uh you know, make it into either a scramble or a, or a throw.
2: One thing you mentioned uh, a little earlier was that Cincinnati has a familiarity with Lamar Jackson, the Ravens offense. One narrative we've heard all week as giants, you know, covering the giants has been, well, the giants have an edge because Wink Martindale practiced against Lamar Jackson all week. I always, I kind of feel like, well, there's a flip side to that too, right? Like the Ravens practice against Wink Martindale style of defense. Do you think there's any edge there or can kind of just go both ways?
3: I give the edge to Martindale and that kind of okay. a thing. I think that that uh, you know the defensive coordinators that really understand what's going on with Jackson and uh, Martindale is it, it, it's two level advantages. The first is he's very adaptable anyway, so so yeah. you'll, you'll have a different game plan for, from from week to week. But the second is when he watches tape of Lamar Jackson, he knows what to look for. So uh, other advanced scouts and other people they, they know you know they know in general what they want to look at for their defense kind of thing but but he knows what what things are not working from Lamar by watching that tape of him so i think that's a uh, that'd be a big edge for wink
2: that was one of the things that stood out to me from the first time we, we talked with you, Ken. You absolutely nailed that about how adaptable he is. Really, we have seen so, much, so many differences in what he's run every week, depending on who he's faced. And that's not something we had last year. Like, to be honest, not, not taking a shot at Patrick Graham, the former Giants defense coordinator, he did some good things. But there, there, there were things that he adapted to, but it wasn't like a different game plan every week. So that, that's, I love that point by you.
1: And Ken, I also want to just touch on the weapons that Lamar Jackson is throwing to like, first off is Rashad Bateman going to be healthy for this game. And other than Rashad Bateman, how has Devin DuVernay, who seems to be having a career year and James Prouchet, how have they handled the the upgrade in targets and the upgrade in role now that Hollywood Brown is no longer there.
3: Okay. So they've got four receivers kind of left on the, on the active roster. Bateman, I, I do not expect to play. So that's, that's for starters, which is really a shame for, from the Ravens perspective, he's averaging 11 yards per target, which is outstanding. Um, uh duvernay is having a terrific year he's doing even better in terms of yards per target uh he's caught almost every ball thrown to him maybe 15 out of 17 or something on the year uh right now uh even caught one that was intended for andrews on a great play up the left sideline that you may have you may have seen a highlight of but uh he uh he's now become the ravens not only big target but if you watch the last game they used him out of the backfield they used him in motion to, to to take jet motion pitches and whatnot. Uh, it's just a lot of different things that they're asking Devin DuVernay to do. And um, they need another speed threat to really run their offense properly, meaning they need to, if, if they want to really threaten the field horizontally, they, they need to have another speed threat out of sidecar. And the guy they have is Justice Hill, and he might be back. He practiced today. Um, that was great news. Coming back from a hamstring injury, I wouldn't be surprised if they're careful with him and make him wait another week but uh but he's a he's a player who was running the ball very well before he got hurt
1: justice hill and you know, the, the brother of dax hill who is now a cincinnati Bengal. also mistaken. with justice
2: hill it's a pretty cool story because he came back from the achilles if i'm not mistaken which a lot of people yep. basically decided was a career ender and it, it, apparently not because i watched some of him just from a fantasy standpoint cover fantasy too i watched some of him earlier this season and he looked like he had his juice back so Hopefully, hopefully for the Giants' sake, I guess he doesn't make it back this week. But I do think it was interesting just watching the Ravens on Sunday Night Football without Bateman. To me, it felt like it altered what they wanted to do offensively from a schematic standpoint. And I think it's a big, much bigger loss than people realize. Um, you said you talked about some of the things they did with the Jet sweeps with Duvernay. Um, that will obviously be something the Giants have an eye on. But
3: yeah, go ahead. I, I just the, the, I, the, I didn't. I don't think I finished with your question, which was you were asking about Prochet and and, yeah. uh, and whatnot. but Prochet Proche and Wallace have barely gotten on the field. Crochet was intended to, to be, you know, maybe the 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 third receiver or maybe your big slot guy and whatever. The Ravens have played the heaviest offensive alignments in recent NFL history and probably in decades. <laughs> I'll get back to that in just a second. The other guy who who came in is Demarcus Robinson, the ex-chief, came right. in and really, I think, took more of Bateman's role. Uh, but the but the Ravens are have uh in terms of heavies per play, and when I add these up, I'm taking tight ends, fullbacks, and sixth offensive linemen. They're averaging 2.27 heavies per play. Wow. I don't have this exactly because all I have is formations by like what's 21. So I don't know how much pony, for example, with two running backs, the right. 2019 Vikings played, but the highest in the last six years is under two. And and the Ravens are, you know, wow. More than a 20 point 25 above that. So uh, that's it's,
2: scary for the Giants. They don't really have the personnel to match up against heavy personnel, but we'll see what happens.
1: Wondering if that would lead to somebody like Landing Collins getting dressed, right. who's on the practice squad. I don't know if he's up to speed enough yet, since he was just signed like a week and a half ago. But I think that's going to be interesting to see how the Giants match that because their linebacker position right now—they signed Jalen Smith like three weeks ago—and it's mm-hmm. like a revelation. Almost <laughs> like, yeah. like, like Tay, Tay Crowder is like—he's a solid. He's an adequate player, probably one you don't necessarily want to start, but he's forced to be the number one linebacker here. Jalen Smith comes in, and he adds a level of juice and instincts to the linebacker position. But behind him, you have a fifth-round rookie in Micah McFadden, who was benched after blowing a coverage assignment after four snaps last game. So the linebacker position could be an issue. That's one of the main things I'm concerned about because I looked at the percentages, and I saw – the Ravens run, according to True Media and PFF, like more than fifty percent twelve personnel, and like mm-hmm. and, and more thirty percent than twenty-one personnel with Patrick Carter, something like that. It, was, it was something along those lines. And that type of heavy personnel, I think that takes away from what Wink Martindale wants to do traditionally, and yeah. that's have Julian Love, Xavier McKinney, and
3: Dane Belton on the football field. All three of those safeties, right? So they they only run about uh, 13 percent, maybe maybe it's even less than that. 11 personnel. Wow. They, they ran it 16 times this last game. <laughs> it's like, what are they doing? You know, they're putting three <laughs> wide receivers on the field all every
2: play. That's wild to even think yeah. about given how the NFL has changed. And yeah. that's going to be interesting. I want to ask you about one player who wouldn't qualify for 11 personnel, but got a lot of hype in the preseason. And that's Isaiah likely the tight end hasn't really made the impact. I guess some people expecting and this is fine. I mean, he's a rookie. I don't know why people had such high expectations for him right away, but are they trying to work him in more? Do you think that he can have an impact in this game and be kind of like an X factor on in the passing game?
3: Um, if somebody really has to step up, and likely is is you know a, a player who certainly could. the The, the thing is, likely has not been much of a blocker, so he's been really right. a designated receiver. So when he's on the field, the Ravens are almost certainly passing. It's usually a passing down. It's not like they're necessarily giving it all away, but you know, likely in line is not a big big threat to be yeah. power of the run game. Um, yeah. uh, he has lined up in line so in some. And he really came out of coastal Carolina with that rep as being a move tight end, a guy you could line up backfield, you know, cross the formation in motion, all, all kinds of things. He's, he's not really that. He's like a pure wide receiver pretty much. Oh wow. Interesting.
1: That makes sense. And then what about Mark Andrews in terms of blocking Well, we know, Mark Andrews is an absolute stud and he's mm-hmm. one of the players I'm probably most scared of going into this matchup, but how is he as a blocker?
3: He's been, he's been pretty good. Um, I, you know, that's, I, I, He's been at times he's been a liability in the past, but I'd say he's been pretty good this year. The guy who's gotten more playing time is uh, t- the tight end Josh Oliver, and nobody expected this. They expect Nick Boyle come back as soon as Nick Boyle's back. Oh my God, we got our pass by our run blocking tight end back. We got an extra pass block if we need that. We got late release on extended plays. We got all these things, and uh, he's come back the last three weeks. He's played four total snaps on offense, and Oliver has played. Uh, uh, not only uh, did he out snap him twenty. 21 to four, 23 to nothing, but he now is out snapping likely like 23 to 15. So uh, they've they've really moved to him being the blocking tight end at this point. And uh, it's not ideal developmentally to have that be the case because Oliver's a fourth year player and they're probably just going to lose him after this year. But uh, it's it's a uh, you know, you got to go with the horses who are really helping you. And he's he's the one who's really playing well now.
2: It's also a good example of a Ravens find. I liked Oliver coming out of college and the Jaguars. Obviously, there were injuries with his career Mm -hmm. with the Jaguars, but it's interesting to hear his name now that he's producing.
1: And I want to touch on the offensive line before we get to J.K. Dobbins and maybe a little bit more on Lamar Jackson. First, firstly, is Tyler Lindenbaum going to dress? I saw him roll his ankle. And secondly, how has Kevin Zeitler looked? Another former giant.
3: Yeah. Okay. I'm so sure. take you across from the left to right. In fact, uh, uh, Stanley increased pitch count. Whatever's not, is be McCary. We'll go to left guard. Ben Powers has played pretty well this year. And uh, he's, he's had no danger really of losing his job. And it, the left guard position was wide open in camp. They gave it to him kind of by default. And he's played pretty well. Uh, the one thing he's not doing is pulling well. So the Ravens have... Changed the handedness of their run game to have more pulls out of Zeitler from right to left than out of Powers from left to right. And That's un- unusual for the Ravens to to change handedness like that, but that's what they've done for for whatever infinite wisdom they have about it. Uh, but Powers hasn't done well on those pulls. Linderbaum, uh, he did he missed two plays in this last game, uh, came right back in, uh, dressed or uh, practiced fully in this uh, on Wednesday, so I don't anticipate him being out. Uh, he's he's uh, his size limitations have shown up. Uh, But he's also been pretty good at times as a pass blocker. I think that as the season has moved on, one thing I've noticed is he's probably getting off balance less. So he's probably sifting through the bag of tricks he's had from college to deal with his length and size issues um, and finding what works at the NFL level. And I'm, I'm very encouraged by that. Um, so I'm not as high on him as other people are. I think actually he's very risky draft pick given his size limitations and what has happened with other first round centers with, with very significant size limitations. But, um, he seems to be working through the issues and, and, uh, and doing a pretty good job with it. Uh, don't, don't listen to people who are just telling you he's only, he's got zero sacks allowed in five games centers almost never get a sack allowed. So that's that's not a meaningful statistic. He's he's been okay as a pass blocker, and he's been pretty good as a run blocker. And I think that's uh, you know that's a good place to start your NFL career.
1: Okay. I gotta say, he's going to be tested this week oh, yeah. you're right. Not a lot of centers give up sacks, but. Don't say that around Sam Mustafer of the Chicago Bears. It's yeah. uh, Dexter Lawrence just ran through him. And it looks like right now, I don't think it's certain as we're recording this, but big cat Leonard Williams might also be back, which is only going to enhance what this defensive line could do. But Dexter Lawrence is having a career year. He's been aligning a little bit more, I would say, than he did in the previous defense. Over the center, one shade or nose, and I really think Wink Martindale is going to try to isolate Tyler Lindenbaum, His inexperience, his lack of length, his lack of size against
3: 350-pound, explosive, flexible Dexter Lawrence. Yeah, that, it makes all kinds of sense to do it. That that left a gap. Uh, the Ravens have a little bit of size limitations there with with him and Powers, uh, and Powers is not the greatest processor. So you, you know, it's a, also an opportunity there if you if you run stunts and if you if you do other things for him. Not to figure it out in terms of what's going on uh, and and uh, make the wrong block, but uh, but anyway, I, I want to finish up with with Morgan Moses as well and and say that um, he's been a little bit up and down this year. Had a really lousy game in Week Four against Buffalo. Their talented edges gave him a lot of trouble, um, but had a came back with an absolutely fantastic game this last week. And uh, just a, a few highlights from it. He, he pulled nine times in the game. Now the way I, way my scoring system works is he's always on the back end of a counter when he pulls and never there are no exceptions to that but when he uh uh when he does that he doesn't actually have to make a block in which case i scored it as a p1n pull one point and n for it was a courtesy point he didn't actually make a block he made seven blocks out of nine on those plays i'm just telling you that's way more than the back the the tackle on the back end of a counter play will typically make and there's some of the most dominant blocks you'll ever see two huge highlight blocks where he pushed a player 10 plus yards um, in so doing. So it was a, it was a impressive, uh, day for Moses. And, uh, he had a real good day as a pass blocker as well.
2: Speaking of, uh, just different players on the Ravens that intrigue me, JK Dobbins is a player who, Obviously, had that major injury took a little bit longer than people expect to get back on the field and hasn't exactly played the role, I guess, that some were expecting. But to me, I, I kind of envision this potentially being the case as far as just what you've seen from him pre and post injury. Is he still the same level athlete, still the same level explosive? Because I'm assuming like things like processing, which he I thought did a great job of early in his career and at Ohio State. That's never going to go away. But the athleticism, where is that uh, post injury uh, versus what you saw pre pre injury?
3: yeah um I'm gonna have a hard time opining on that because he hasn't okay. been back for that that long. Uh, what I, What I will say is we've seen some of the spin. We've seen some of the tackle avoidance and we haven't seen him from other running backs really. So the contact balance still seems to be there, but that's not the only component of athleticism you'd be talking about. You, you know, you can, he cut the same way. Can you, I don't know. I I really, he's, he's been back for so little time. It's really hard to say. He's also been back behind for most of his time behind a pretty bad offensive line. And uh, with Stanley back, that completely changes the dynamic of the line. The the line now is uh, when he's in there is, is really pretty good. And, uh, and we should, we should be seeing this week whether or not he can uh, uh, he can move the way he used to move. Um, I, th- I think there is concern. I think I expect him to still be on a pitch count. There is real concern over the MetLife playing field. Right. And Dobbins and Stanley are two of the players uh, that they're concerned about in 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 terms of, of putting on a bigger. bigger yeah, they, they had a uh, who got injured week one
2: against the Jet when the Ravens played the Jets. I know they had some bad injuries at that on that MetLife turf. Yeah. Um, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I, no. I, is, yeah, I'm just is the concern. Remember. Do you think the concern is not just like via the media, it's actual concern within the organization?
3: I, I think it is a legitimate okay. concern within the organization. I, I the, the Ravens have kind of an interesting history with this, with some bad turf fields, going back to their hard knocks episode in 2001, where they went to Philadelphia and refused to play the game because there was a, there was for a preseason game. I remember because there was that, a divot yeah. in the field and you know, they, they got booed up, booed out of the stadium on the way out. But uh, it was interesting. <laughs> yeah. Night
1: that's that is uh quite the uh quite the experience back then dating back to 2001 but if jk dobbins is on a pitch count and justice hill is justice hill like definitely trending towards playing in this game
3: i mean i i, I really couldn't say he was, yeah, okay. he was he practiced today i don't even know if it was limited or full
1: so do so. you think it would just be much more Kenyon drake who we saw a lot at the end of the cincinnati Bengals game and what, what's going on with mike davis is he just kind of like just give him like one or two plays a game on offense.
3: I mean, he he seems to be in there for a couple of plays. There's there's no reason to have him active other than the fear of injury because he's not a good. So, <laughs> so the yeah. the, the, uh, the 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 you know somehow this guy is the starting running back on opening night for the on opening day for the Ravens, just unacceptable. Uh, but they've they've for whatever reasons I, I don't I don't understand this as an organizational choice because they've been so so successful in the past at going out and looking sifting through the R one slash one bin. So rookies and year one players who right. don't yet have a year of experience, what do you get with those guys? You get upside. Yep. If, if you find a guy with talent there who can stylistically fit your needs, you have a potential four-year deal with that guy. That's that's you know a, a beauty. So anyway, they've they've you know, they got Collins through that that means they've gotten other players that they that they found uh, in the in the bargain bin like that. And somewhat, for some reason, they go out and get Mike Davis, and you pay a little bit more on a vet man contract for him. But beyond that, I mean, you should, it's just there's no evidence that there's any uh, – you wouldn't want his performance last year in Atlanta, and there's no evidence that, that he's going to be better at, at you know an advanced age for a running back. Uh, right. So it, it just it doesn't make any sense. I don't understand the organizational philosophy there. And they picked up Bell, Murray, um, uh, Freeman, Davis and Drake Freeman, Five Freeman actually yeah. looked
2: okay though on film last year. I thought Nick Nick pointed this out. I think we're we're big fans of Devonte Freeman, so don't that we might be a little biased in that.
1: Devonta right, Freeman, yeah. gi- giant great. Nah, but maybe does it come down to the fact that just obviously the injuries are incorporated in. But is this Ravens coaching staff, Greg Roman, are they typically a little bit averse to like giving rookies huge workloads?
3: I think the issue is the mesh point is that if the rookie yeah, if if the player right. cannot handle the mesh point, of Lamar Jackson, it really takes away a lot from the Ravens offense. So you've got to be able to do late polls. They trust veteran backs to do it. They've had some problems with fumbles with younger backs, and so they don't they 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 know they're they're, they're regular guys, edwards and and Dobbins are both very good at it. so they they if you wait for how late those polls come, uh, particularly out of sidecar with Jackson when he's looking up the field, it's just he, he'll pull the ball very, very late. And the good backs say, "Pull it as late as you want, just pull it hard." Uh, can you? Ex- and-
1: Sorry, can you explain what sidecar is to to the? Listener? Yeah, sure.
3: So, uh, so uh, when the when the quarterback's in shotgun, you can run. You can have your you have your running back lined up two places. If he's next to the quarterback, usually at the left of the quarterback, I, I refer to that as sidecar. Being in sidecar. If he's behind the quarterback, that's pistol.
1: Okay. Oh, excellent. Yeah. The pistol. Yeah. I never heard it referred to as sidecar I never heard that that's, either. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. Uh, so let's circle a little bit back to Lamar Jackson, just cause we, we touched on him a little bit earlier in the episode. What are your impressions of how Lamar Jackson is playing right now? And what are your overall impressions? 30,000 foot view on the entire contract situation.
3: Okay. So let's start with how he's playing right now. Cause that's in a lot of ways, the easier question. Um, uh, He's been a little bit frustrated by pressure the last couple of weeks, and this is this has been a you know a turn. Uh, Lamar Jackson is best when he's able to play loose and free, move around that pocket as he sees fit, trust these guys around him to to not let the other guy take him down when he's not looking, uh, and take him down from behind in particular. And I think he'll have that back when Stanley's in there. Uh, otherwise, uh, you know, there's he's he's plays a little bit nervous and he just got two games out of, out of Daniel Falele that were not good. And, and that made him, uh, you know, be very concerned about how he's moving, moving around the pocket. Still think Falele has an upside, but, but that's down the road, uh, developmental player. Uh, so if, if he can get back to that level of comfort, he'll be fine. He'll play like he did the first three weeks. You'll be talking about it being an MVP candidate again. Um, he'll, he'll stop making the same kind of, uh, Late mistakes with the football that we've seen uh, the last couple of weeks, and uh, and I think that's you know obviously what the Ravens fans have to hope for, what the Giants fans are hoping is deferred at least a week, no doubt, in terms of uh, of uh, how things are. I'll go to the contract next, though. Uh, I think any kind of situation like that, the national media has an interest in making it into an issue when it might not be. Um, Lamar's representing himself but he's not really representing himself the NFLPA is all over his case I kind of wish he had an agent instead of the NFLPA giving all kinds of crap in this right. year about you know you got to have the old contract guarantee you're fighting for every quarterback out there um, right. so uh, that to me is a is a is a big problem if if he's yeah. saying you know I'm not like Russell Wilson well he's right I mean he's not like Russell Wilson he's a lot younger he's a lot better uh, at this point in his career if uh, if if he wants to say, that uh, he should get Deshaun Watson money. I think there is still reasonable points to be made that Deshaun Watson is massively overpaid, and the team that did that should be penalized. Not, not you know, every quarterback should get the same or better deal uh, yeah. coming out of it. But uh, that said, I think I think he's going to end up with a lot of guaranteed money and not the whole thing, and I think he'll end up being uh, you know north of fifty million a year when they when they do it.
1: As a Baltimore Raven, you're imagining?
3: I I would imagine. I mean, he's got two years to to make that contract. The Ravens are a very, very prudent organization. So if it comes to next year, would probably be the year, um, and they can't get a deal done sometime before camp, you might see him traded in the kind of trade that that Watson left for. I I hate to think it might happen, but I think it's possible. Um, And I think they would trade him a year in advance of – of the, uh, you know, the ultimate decision having to be made, just like you usually trade a a young player a year before they hit free agency to maximize value on. them.
2: All right, Ken, thank you so much for joining us. This was awesome. Love talking football with you. We do this with every guest before these preview shows. You can choose to opt out of it if you want, because some people just don't like it. But if you enjoy this and you, and you just take it for fun, like we do, Mm -hmm. do you want to give us a prediction on the
3: score of this game? Um, I, I really don't like doing that, but, but I'll tell you what I will do. I'll give you a player offense and defense that I think could be an X factor in this game for the Ravens. I think matches up well against the giants. And the first is Geno stone, excellent safety who can, who can make you forget that Marcus Williams is gone, uh, plays good bracket coverage. So if there are overthrows, he knows how to play the overthrow well, uh, or dislodge the football or even undercut as necessary. So I think he's, he could be a, a dark horse candidate, uh, to play really well. On the uh, on the offensive side, um, I'd probably take Devin DuVernay again to be used in a lot of different ways to kind of uh, help also spread the line of scrimmage. Lamar Jackson will have a bigger day, but what Devin DuVernay does will help drive that in a lot of ways. So those are the two, I'd say.
2: Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us, Ken. Everybody go follow Ken on Twitter and on his website. And just, let again, let the listeners know where
3: they can find your work. At Film Study Ravens on Twitter and Filmstudybaltimore.com is the is the website.
0: So check that out for sure. Thanks again, Ken. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed Data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
1: You may start noticing there are strange Tallboys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores. Well, it's not beer, it's actually mountain spring water from the Alps. And it's called Liquid Death. Why is this new water called Liquid Death? Because it will brutally murder your thirst, and the recyclable tall boy cans are helping to bring death to plastic bottles. I've tried Liquid Death, and I am still here. I'm not plastic. Nor am I thirsty anymore because my former parched state was quenched by the tart, acidic taste of one of their flavors, Severed Lime. The lime became severed because it messed with another liquid death flavor, Mango Chainsaw, which combines real agave nectar with Leatherface to slice the uncomfortable drought festering in your oral cavity. Into berries and fruit? Go six feet deep with a heartbeat with their sparkling flavor, Bury It Alive. If you love still or sparkling water, go get Liquid Death at your local Woodman's, 7-Eleven, Roundy's, or Hy-Vee, or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com. Just use the promo code BIGBLUE. Again, go get Liquid Death at your local Whole Foods Market, Target, and Stop and Shop stores, or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com. And then use the promo code BIGBLUE. That's liquiddeath.com bigblue. What's going on, Big Blue Banter listeners? Do you like to place bets and find ways to optimize your betting experience? Well, then oddstrader.com is the place for you. OddsTrader is a place to compare odds from all the major sports books. You can also compare the different sign up codes and promotions from sports books to get the best deal. OddsTrader offers handicapping, play by play updates, player statistics, key game statistics, live scoring and tracking, projected game day, weather, and bet tracker allows you to keep records of all your games and betting activity so if you like to place bets and you want to get the most out of that experience go to oddstrader.com and use the promo code blue wire that's oddstrader.com slash blue wire oddstrader the number one site for all your game day bets
2: all right that was Cam cusick as always that dude Delivers on the X's and O's breakdowns, but Nick, I want to wrap this one up by just jumping in and giving
1: our predictions on the game. So let's start with you. Give me your prediction for this game. Big Ken McCusick fan, friend of the podcast, by the way, Dan. And we we've touched on this before. How many friends of the podcast do we have? Guys who we've had m- multiple times on the podcast. It's like Ken, John Ledyard. Uh, you have Elliot Christ is now a friend of the so show. There's few. a lot during. Of- Scope Scope is like he's the best friend. We need
2: to market. get OC back on. That's a starter. Yeah, I, I, I got to go shout out OC and talk to him again. Give him another DM. We got to get OC. The two I want on again, OC, and then I want Papa and Banks on our podcast one time. That,
1: that's yeah, because right now they're just acquaintances of the yes. podcast. They're not friends of the podcast. You got to come on multiple times to yeah, earn friendship level. Get to that level. As for the prediction, yeah, I think this is a very winnable game for the Giants. I do. However. I think I'm gonna go with the Ravens and I think it's gonna be something like a twenty-four to twenty. And it's hovers around the same type of score that that we've been going over. I think the Giants will be in it in the fourth quarter. That could be be a comeback effort by the New York Giants, but ultimately I think the Ravens will find a way to win. So that's I think the the area I'm gonna go. And I, I don't love it. I do think the Giants can win, like I said, but that that's that's the choice right now.
2: Yeah, I mean, after that Packers game, Nick, I'm, I'm at the point where I feel like the Giants could win almost any game they play this season, which is crazy a point to get to. I never thought I would get to this and it's only week five. And that now let me make a caveat. I don't think they'd have much of a chance against the Bills or the Chiefs, to be completely honest, but they don't have to play those teams. But those are the only two teams left. And I'll throw in the Eagles as another team that I, that might be very difficult for the Giants to beat. Um whenever they have to play in them eventually. But the Ravens would probably be closer to that next tier for me, just below that um, you know, that Chiefs-Bills, maybe, if you want to put Eagles in their tier. And so I do think the Giants have a really good chance to win this. I really liked what Ken said about the whole debate, like, who has the edge? Wink Martindale because he gets to see Lamar Jackson every day, or Lamar because he's got to practice against that defense. And I think Ken's right. The bigger edge, by far, goes to Wink Martindale because Wink Martindale is a coach that has proven time and time again that he will adjust and bring out a very different game plan for every week so it's harder for lamar jackson or the other side of it to kind of scheme against him and so i think we're going to have a really successful day on defense the giants especially with rashad bateman out rashad bateman out to me is a massive injury for them especially if they're also going to still pitch count ronnie staley and jk dobbins like ken said at that point There's really not that much to worry about in my mind, besides Lamar Jackson, which is a big worry for sure. But I still think the edge goes to the Giants defense. So I think they're going to play really well on defense. Offensively, they've kind of proven that, you know, no matter who they play on defense, they figure out ways to score some points and move the ball. So with that said, (laughs) I can't believe I'm doing this. Do it. Do it, bro. I am though. I'm going to go 20 to 17 Giants. Look, none of us picked the Packers to win that game. I actually thought that it was a tougher matchup against the Packers than it was the Ravens. Um, But to be fair, I didn't really know how bad things were on the defensive side of the ball for the Packers. But it's not doesn't sound to me from what Ken was saying that things are that much better on the defensive side of the ball for the Ravens. And on the offensive side of the ball, things Lamar is awesome. But besides
1: him, nothing's going right right now with that offense. Um, You have to look at the the paths to success, right? Right, Dan, like. Last week did not seem like there were a lot of paths to success. You're going into London with a hobbled quarterback with virtually no receivers, going up against Aaron Rodgers, no big cat. So many things were going up against the Giants. They still found a way to win the football game. Here, I could see this even being like a lower scoring affair because I'm scared of Adafi Owe and Jason Pierre-Paul and the discipline that they're going to show to the play-action bootleg and what that's going to do to the Giants' ability to move the football. That's like one thing that I am afraid of. And I'm not even really too afraid of the the defense as a whole even though they lead the league in interceptions. I think you can pass on them. It's just do the Giants if that play action element, that bootleg element is removed, can the Giants move the football through the air successfully enough? I think they'll have some success, but this could be like an ugly defensive game that won't even get to, you know, 24 to 20. That's what I picked and I guess I'll stick by it. But I can easily see a path to success where the New York Giants end up winning, but they're going to have to find a way to adjust if this ravens front is able to negate daniel jones's legs which i think they're going to they practice up against lamar jackson all the time which is another little thing it's not a huge deal but they're used to seeing a mobile quarterback in practice the one thing that
2: scares me is what ken talked about how the ravens are pacing right now to be at an all-time high uh as far as heavy usage and that means like oh, yeah. an extra offensive lineman tight end or fullback i think he's said 2.26 he use an average of 2.26 extra, which is crazy since most teams use an average of one in 11 personnel. He's saying something like the, they play 11 personnel, like 12% of the snaps. That's wild. And that does not jive well with what Link Martindale wants to do. It does not jive well with the personnel they have. But yet, I still have some confidence that they're going to be able to force them to a lot of field goals. So I do want to change my prediction for once and all. It's going to be giant. I'm still predicting the Giants to win this game, but 19 to 16, a field goal fest, I'm predicting.
1: I think it's gonna be something like that. A lot of Justin Tucker and a lot of Graham Gano right, you know. and yep. and I am I am also afraid of that rushing attack. But what I'll say is the J.K. Dobbins thing with the MetLife yes. term. I think that's real. Justice Hill coming off of an injury, and then you have Kenyon Drake. That you could shut down. So you have to figure out a way to shut down Lamar Jackson and then the player that Ken highlighted, Devin DuVernay. I think DuVernay, I always thought he was a good football player or yep. at least like a solid football player, and I think he's showing up. We saw him using the backfield quite a bit. I think he's going to be using the backfield again, Dan. I think we're going to see him, and I think he's explosive enough to exploit the Giants linebackers if they're not in position. Not to mention, they're always going to be hesitating and shading towards Lamar Jackson. So that's right. another thing that I'm going to be a little bit afraid of going into this going into this matchup, but regardless, I'm still somewhat optimistic. I'm not pessimistic about this game. I, I think the Giants can win this football game. There's definitely an avenue of success there, and the Ravens are also beat up too. Like they're lo- they lost several right. of their like, key starters on the offensive side of the ball. And one of them who has returned is not going to play. A, two of them who have returned are not going to play a full complement of snaps.
2: Yeah, for me, again, that Bateman injury is much bigger than I think people realize, so we'll have to see, but I can't believe I'm picking the Giants to win this game and go 5-1. That'd be absolutely insane. Uh, Anyway, thanks again for tuning in to the Big Blue Banter Podcast. Have a great rest of your weekend. We'll talk to you soon.